Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. Tech on a tear, the Nasdaq making another run at new highs, even as one very notable investor now warning the market offers the lowest prospective returns in history. We debate your money today with our investment committee. Joining me for the hour are Joe Terranova, Jim Labenthal, John Nigerian, and Tiffany McGee, the CEO of Momentum Advisors Institutional Investment Services Group, a CNBC contributor. Let's check the markets. Majors going for their fifth positive session in the past six. Got some work to do, though. We're down about a half percent or a touch more almost across the board. And, Joe, it's these Mnuchin headlines getting something done in terms of stimulus by the election, he says, is tough. That caused a bit more of a sell-off in stocks, and it underscores why the Nasdaq continues to have a bid under it. Yes, it, it does, clearly. And you're also seeing a little bit of a fallback in yield, Scott. The 10 years pushing back towards 70 basis points. So uh, that is somewhat troubling. Look, I would think the market needs a little bit of uh, some of the, the, the forward momentum that it's been carrying in the last week or so to really cool off a little. I think we were getting a little too vertical in the way that we were appreciating. So the negative news that you're getting on the stimulus, it aligns with maybe a much needed little bit of pause in that uh, rate of appreciation. I'm not overly concerned by it. Yeah. Rates are falling. You see it there. Uh, 71 basis points is where we are on the 10 year. Uh, That's an issue to deal with, perhaps, Tiffany, or at least what that message is in the fall in rates. Everything's coming down, though, apparently on these Mnuchin comments. But it's more broadly and it's lately where Tiffany Tech has continued to get this bid. Um, But you're looking at what would be helped by stimulus. J.P. Morgan. Disney, FedEx, UPS, all things that you've added to recently. Yeah, so we've we've definitely added to those positions and for different reasons. So, you know, I've spoken about J.P. Morgan uh, quite a bit on the show. Um, We definitely like their diversified revenue stream. Um, They had a a really great earnings day yesterday. Um, We expected that. um, So we did buy... uh, um, ahead of the earnings announcement. Um, and so, you know, banks really kind of uh, having um, an interesting uh, week this week. Um, so, you know, we also like Goldman Sachs. We own it. Um, they had a, a you know, favorable um, um, earnings report. But we're, you know, kind of getting back to what, to what you were saying, Scott. We're being very, very selective about what we're, we're purchasing. Um, you know, FedEx, Disney, um, Disney with that big announcement, uh, I believe it was yesterday. We really do believe that there are certain names that are well positioned to do well going forward, not just in a pandemic versus non-pandemic um, environment, but we really do believe that the world has changed with COVID-19 and we definitely have a new normal. So who is going to be a, be best positioned? What types of companies are going to be best positioned to take advantage of things going forward? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, Jim, we get the, the Zooms and the Pelotons and the CrowdStrikes which Peloton and CrowdStrike basically hit new highs today. All of those stocks have had a tremendous run now 
in the month of October. Peloton, which got a positive call today, is up 34%. Cloudflare, 44 Fastly's 36 I could go down the list. But is it now that cut and dry for investors watching this program? Stimulus or apparently, you know, on a positive track towards stimulus means you buy the reopened stocks. And as long as we remain at an impasse or with an inability to do anything before the election, you just continue to buy the stocks from tech, from high growth uh, that have gotten us here in the first place? Well, it's yes is unfortunately the short answer. Now, let me add to that. The other factor here, which is weighing on the markets, is the lack of progress on a vaccine. And we obviously had some disappointing news yesterday, both from Johnson and Johnson and Eli Lilly. And the point being this is that the market is swinging back and forth. Scott, it was only two and a half weeks ago that we were in an actual correction. You know, we were down 10 percent from the high. That's almost entirely been recovered. And it's been that's mostly been on the belief that stimulus would come. Now, I think the way you're supposed to play this is not to lay all of your bets on the Pelotons and Fastleys and Zooms of the world, nor are you supposed to place all of your bets on the airlines just at the other end of the spectrum. What you are supposed to do is believe that stimulus is going to come at some point in time, probably not before the election, but after the election, highly likely. Uh, similarly, a vaccine, nobody can time it, okay? And we might not even get a vaccine. It might be a question of just getting suitable treatments. When does it come? Nobody knows, okay? But you should bet on science here that we are going to cure this thing. In order, to, in order to enact this in your portfolio, what you have to do is not trade on this week's headlines, but trade on where the market is going to be six months from now. Six months from now, it should be in a full recovery. It doesn't mean sell all of your stay-at-home stocks. It means have a balance between some reopening names and a lot of the tech stalwarts that have brought us this far. John, have as a long balance as, in your portfolio. As long, John, though, as, as stimulus main, remains elusive, can you feel confident buying anything but growth tech? Hmm. Uh, the confidence level goes up, of course, with uh, some sort of uh, uh, agreement, some sort of uh, – uh, uh, I don't even know, Scott. I mean, I'm so frustrated by – the the lack of this stimulus but let's focus on your questions about where we can actually make some money here um fedex to tiffany's point is one of the best performing stocks new 52 week high today she is exactly right i'm lucky to have it in my portfolio as well it's even outperforming the likes of apple scott um so this is a stock that will do well regardless of if we get that stimulus or if we don't. Now, certainly if we do, Scott, obviously some of the, we need a vaccine and stimulus to have the airlines and the consumer facing stocks, the direct face to face where you walk into a restaurant, into a hotel, onto an airplane, onto a cruise ship. We need a vaccine as well as stimulus to make those much more attractive, Scott. But I think a stock like uh, FedEx is just gonna continue to outperform even some of the best performers among the fangs, quite frankly. Yeah. Now, yeah, you're going to have, you know, the Netflixes and the uh, Teslas continue to do well as well, I believe. But FedEx, that thing's just got a tremendous balance sheet and demand like crazy, Scott. Joe, what does the big rebound in big tech tell you about the, the psyche of the investor right now and, and where the best bets are, are going to be made? What was September's pain is clearly October's gain, okay? Amazon is down 9% or so in September, 
and now it's up 8.5% in October. Apple down 10% in September. Now it's up almost 5% in October. Facebook down 10.5%, gets half that back now. Microsoft's down 7 in September. It's up 6 in October. Clearly, there is a willingness to buy the dip in these mega cap names. It's called defensive exposure. Uh, investors are seeking solutions that look like bond proxies. Exactly <coughs> what growth is. It's defensive in its nature, Scott. And, and to answer your question, uh, without stimulus, uh, you, you can't uh, create the enthusiasm or the confidence that's needed to buy some of the value-oriented return-to-work uh, type of equity names. You have to stay with growth. It's 40% of the S&P. It's what's working. It's got the free cash flow generation. It's got double-digit revenue growth, and it's got the compelling performance, and it's got the strength of liquidity. So all of those conditions attract me as an investor, uh, whether or not you get stimulus. And certainly, if you tell me you're not getting stimulus, I want to remain defensive in my nature, and that's exactly what growth is. I want, yeah, but to what end, though, Tiffany? Right? I mean, I get it with these mega cap names, but Peloton's price target today, I mentioned the positive call. John mentioned Truist making it. 144 is where the price target goes from 115. DocuSign initiated, gets a $290 price target. That's 20% upside from here. DocuSign's up 220% year to date. Peloton is up 370% year to date. I get all of the reasons why these stocks continue to be favored by investors, but to what end? Yes, yeah, so I, I think that we're asking, you know, um, that, that we're not asking the right questions. Um, again, the entire world has changed. So, you know, we're not talking about a traditional recession. We're not talking about, um, like, traditional, uh, we're not talking about valuation in the traditional sense. Our world has completely changed. So, you know, everything from how people work out and, you know, how people um, conduct business and, and people have to, you know, sign, um, you know, sign contracts, that's all changed. You know, prior to February 2020, we were able, you know, we, we had choices. Now we don't have choices. And even though, you know, I do believe we're going to get a vaccine, all of that, you know, is positive news, but that's not the case right now. And, you know, we're not going to see any kind of real, um, you know, um, measured progress until, you know, pretty much the middle of 2021. But even in saying that, what this pandemic has done is kind of brought everyone into a space where you have to do everything virtually, where, you're in to where, where your total, you know, way of life, way of doing business has changed. And I, again, maintain that we're not going to go back to where we, were, where we were before. So as we're thinking about Peloton, and we're, as we're thinking about DocuSign, you know, my question, like the, like the question that I ask myself is, who were their competitors? Do they have the market? You know, there, there are a couple of um, companies coming out with Peloton-like like bikes, but they weren't first. You know, they're copycats, and Peloton really just has the entire market. Well, and we saw, you know, really, they're, go ahead. Th this is the debate, though, for, pardon me for interrupting you, but th this is the good debate that we can have between you and John is this idea of you say mm -hmm. repeatedly that the world has changed as if even when you get a vaccine, 
some of these trends that we've mm -hmm. seen are not going to go back to the way they were. Whereas, John, it sounds to me like you've been making the case and almost repeatedly yourself as well, that when you do get a vaccine, the world at least is going to go as close back to normal as it possibly can. Are people still going to be interested in Peloton? Sure. Are people still going to be working from anywhere with Zoom? Sure. But a lot of the broad trends that have been pulled forward are going to start to work themselves out once you get a vaccine. Am I right, Doc, or wrong? No, you are right, Scott. Uh, and the, the, the issue there is, of course, um, does the vaccine start dribbling out, if you will, uh, at towards the end of this year, 2020? Um, or does it really wait until the middle of next year? Because given those timelines, I could give you a much better picture of when I think those other businesses will go back towards normal. But when you see the dramatic drops in, you know, wh whether it's uh, the uh, airline stocks in particular, of course, that bill was refused. The airline only part of the stimulus just recently. Um, if we get that, uh, I think the TSA data already suggests, Scott, that people are traveling much more already given that they don't have a vaccine and that they have some therapeutics perhaps, but there's a lot more through the TSA when you look at that high-frequency data. Well, there's I, a lot more travel lot going more on from, right now, Scott. Oh, I get your job, yep. but let's be, let's, uh, be from clear. A, very a lot low more base. from zero, right? A lot more yeah. from zero yeah, uh, right. is still not a lot, mm -hmm. I guess is what I want to say. I mean, that's what Ed Bastin said of Delta yesterday. You've got United. Um, with their earnings, and you're going to hear from, uh, I believe, the CEO on this network is, as well, uh, a lot more than what was zero. It's still going to take a long time until sometime in oh, 2021 yes. at the earliest to get anywhere back towards, and I even hate to use the word normal because nobody knows what normal means on the other side of COVID. Right. And to your point also, Scott, um, when we do get back towards normal, how many businesses will have made the decision that I don't need to have people moving around as much as they did because of costs um, and also because as these sec secure platforms become better and better, um, that instantaneity, if you will, I'm making that one up, Scott, of uh, being able to basically just say, OK, let's jump on a Zoom right now. Let's get on the meet with uh, any of these other or teams with Microsoft. I think all of those things do put a pressure on how much we need to be moving around, which, of course, hurts a little bit the airlines, uh, which are going to be cutting capacity like crazy, as well as some of these hotels, which many of them will become basically rental properties um, for uh, tenants rather than hotels. Yeah. I mean, we, by the way, Phil LeBeau uh, emails me and says, yesterday, TSA passenger levels, just so we're using the most accurate and up-to-date statistics in our conversation, yesterday was down 71%. I mean, it's been in the 65 to 70% mm -hmm. down, depending on the day, yeah. says Phil. It gives you a good perspective on exactly what we're dealing with. The, the point, part, partly here too, Joe, is that we need to be careful in, you know, I don't know if it's recommending or urging our viewers and investors to continue to buy stocks like Zoom and Peloton and some of these others, which are up 641 and 370 percent respectively. I, I, I think that's correct. I, I, I do think you have to have some discipline in not owning them all. Um, I have kind of pivoted from one name to the next. There were times that I have owned Zoom 
Uh, there were other times that I even owned uh, Peloton. And now DocuSign is the hyper growth stock that I am owning. Um, I think that, Scott, back to the vaccine and what is the trade, I think unequivocally, and this is my view, the airlines on a vaccine are the optimal trade uh, within the capital markets. I don't think there's any other industry that you could go out and gain exposure to on the other side of a vaccine where you'll be rewarded like you will be. You don't think so in, in airlines, hotels? But we're not at you don't, that. You don't think so in hotels I too? I mean, look, no. you're, you, you, love, you used to love a Marriott. I, I did, and in fact, I was stopped out of Marriott before we came on the show today. I'm very nervous and cautious with it. I'm protecting gains. I was up 20%. I had a line at 15%. We went below it. I was stopped out of the name. But no, I think airlines, that is the single uh, most optimal trade on the other side of a vaccine. But Scott, without a vaccine, without a stimulus, you know what all these technology companies don't have to do? They don't have to share a communications in an earnings report where they're concerned if their loan loss provisions are enough or if they're too much. And look at the earnings that we're getting from financials right now. I think that tells you all you need to know about the value environment. It's just not ready yet. I mean, if you, know, you want to make the financials example, um, Jim, even as a, a group of the earnings, it's not like the earnings were horrendous. But the stock moves they were spectacular. are because they trade as a cohort. It doesn't even matter. You used to be able to differentiate, say, well, this bank is better than that bank or this bank's executing better than that bank. But now, no matter what they do, they're seemingly trading as, as a cohort. Now, you can also say, as I thought Wilford Frost made some good points earlier today when I was listening to his commentary on bank earnings, that a Goldman, for example, is maybe better positioned than some of these others or investment banking as a whole is a better place to be than commercial banking because you're not as rely, reliant on the interest rate environment. W what do you make of that? It's, okay, that's a true statement. You know, it's also true to state that, uh, you know, maybe the investment banks are facing a risk from direct listings and SPACs and other things that are clearly going after one of their biggest money makers. Now, it's not their only one, but in cer certainly in investment banking, IPOs are a huge money maker. Um, and, and look, to your, to your larger point, the banks, and I'm not going to distinguish between a retail bank or an investment bank, they are trading as a group, and they are trading on macroeconomics. If they were trading on earnings, you would see Goldman City, J.P. Morgan flying after the last two days of earnings. You're not. I mean, J.P. Morgan and Citi were down yesterday, and what that's telling you, and it is telling you something, it's telling you this market is looking for macroeconomic factors like stimulus and vaccine. Now, Scott, I do want to compliment you because you're bringing in financials here, so we're no longer just talking about airlines and technology at the opposite ends of the quality spectrum. There's a lot in the middle that we can be looking at. Sure, financials, but how about industrials? How about health cares? You know, if you just take a look at the XLI and the XLV, just to you know, give you a broad spectrum of those industries, they're actually flying. And it's interesting, particularly the, the industrials, because they are looking forward into 2021 and they're looking for infrastructure spending and onshoring of supply chains. I like that. I like that the industrials, they're not trading on what's going to happen in the next week on stimulus. They're trading on 2021 and, behind, and beyond. That's a good sign for the industrials. It's interesting, speaking of, Joe, that you sold Verizon and bought Caterpillar. I, I, I did, Scott. I gave Caterpillar as my final trade on Monday. Uh, clearly, as it relates to the machinery capex cycle, I think you've seen the trough. 
uh, inventory levels for machinery are well below the five-year average. We're coming into 2021. That, I believe, will be the bottom where you'll see momentum gained for Caterpillar. And Caterpillar, in terms of its pricing, is cr- in trading incredibly well. As it relates to Verizon, I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed overall in 5G in the wake of the announcement yesterday from Apple, whether it's T-Mobile or Verizon. I don't know. I'm somewhat suspicious about how impactful 5G is actually going to be as an investment thesis. So out of Verizon into Caterpillar. Well, I mean, it's somewhat of a nascent investment thesis. Bigger picture down the road? Um, Sure. How how could it not be? But there are a lot of people who made the point, Joe, going into the Apple event uh, yesterday that if there wasn't a reason, 5G alone was not a reason to continue to buy Apple shares. You want to buy them for another reason? Great. But it's obviously going to take a while to get up to speed. A lot of the networks aren't ready for it. Maybe you're not going to get the biggest benefits that you think you would have in this early stage. You, it all depends on your time horizon, not only as an investor, of, but when you think some of these trends are really going to start picking up speed. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think that somewhat benefits Apple because I think it extends a lengthens a little bit here uh, the consumers who are going to go out and be purchasing this new phone 5g speed will slowly get faster and faster throughout 2021 so what normally could be a single quarter or a multi-quarter tailwind for apple i think you could be talking about the uh the duration of 2021 where consumers will be stepping forward and purchasing this new phone so specific to apple i'm okay i'm comfortable with it but as it relates to 5g and the telecom trade i am disappointed well tiff you bought more apple was that because of 5g uh absolutely not (laughs) so um you know Apple is, is kind of known for these events, and you know, I, I feel like you know, five, ten years ago when they were having these events, it was really surrounding um, you know, the new products, right? And so I think things have definitely shifted. Um, we're, we've seen a trend um, you know, recently where Apple has an event and the stock price goes down. Um, I don't know why. Um, I think I, I would, you know, my guess is that there's a lot of hype around these events. And then once the event happens, yeah, you know, it's not rocket science. Right, right, to, to, to sell the news. Um, but I'll take that any day because, you know, I, I'm looking for opportunities to buy things when they're on sale. Um, I'm buying, uh, we, we owned Apple for a while. We bought more Apple, um, not because of 5G, even though I think that that's a good thing, um, but because, you know, we're seeing, you know, a global shipments of PCs up um, to like the highest level it's been in, in 10 years. So again, getting back to the fact that the world has changed, it used to be a luxury to have more than one laptop computer in your house. Now it's a necessity. So we have families with multiple kids that all have to be on uh, a laptop, a computer right now. And um, there's nothing more annoying than um, you know, utilizing a device that doesn't work, yeah. right? And so this is not only a shift to to kind of increasing um, uh, you know, um, purchases, but also a shift to quality in premium products, which Apple has. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I just want to let you know, markets now, Dow's down about 200 points, a little shy of that. NASDAQ's down a little more than 1%. Uh, you see that uh, as a third tablet there from, from uh, your left. Uh, this Mnuchin comments about getting something done before the election uh, being tough uh, certainly took a little bit of wind out of the market. 
maybe source of funds a little bit for NASDAQ, which has had a nice run lately. We opened our program saying it was, you know, about 1% or so from a new uh, all-time high. Uh, of course, we're not naive to some of the selling that was existing today within uh, technology. The overall market's trying to figure out where it wants to go today. The Dow is down about three-quarters of 1%. And, you know, the interesting thing, Jim, is going to be once the door is officially closed on stimulus before the election to see really how the market reacts. And that's the thing we don't know. We've, we've all you know, been on pulled by this string here of thinking, OK, well, maybe we are going to get something before the election. If the door is officially closed, nailed shut, then it's going to be interesting to see what happens in, in the market, which leads me to our last part of this conversation, which is this new Howard Marks memo, where he says, and I referenced him at the top of our program being a notable investor, uh, certainly one of the best. Um, he says the current market offers, quote, the lowest prospective returns in history. Um, he mentions low rates. He, he has these memos which come out periodically, and this is his latest memo. Low rates cut both ways. You know, got the market off the bottom, uh, but they restrict returns going forward. The other bullet points I wanted to highlight for you, everything appears, he says, to be fairly valued. Uh, back to a low return world after a, for, a foray into bargain land, he says, in March. The only things cheap right now are things that carry the highest risk. Energy, retail, commercial real estate. Not a time to be aggressive, says Howard Marks. And that the odds right now, he says, are not on investors' side. John Najarian, you want to take a stab at this latest Howard Marks memo? And maybe it's a bit of a reality check for, for where we need to think about where the markets are right now? It's also a huge endorsement, Scott, of uh, the strategy that Pete and I do all the time, which is covered writing. In other words, selling calls. Uh, because I don't disagree that after this earnings cycle, ta uh, Scott, that we're likely to see maybe some sideways action at least into the election and then maybe for several weeks after that. Even if we see elevated vol, Scott, we are still likely to see sideways action, I believe, out of most of the market. I'm comfortable holding what I own, as I bet most of the panelists are, but I'm also aggressively, here's an example, we got an upgrade today for Netflix, right? Um, a price target. Um, I aggressively sold calls into that. Um, why? Because it protects me to another basically 8 or 9% downside just by the collection of those November call premiums against that stock because I'm taking in almost $50 against, those, uh, against the stock. So I think a lot of us will be focused in on that, Scott. And if you are looking at a sideways market, maybe like Mr. Marks is saying, there's not as much upside, at least right now, until we find out more about stimulus mm -hmm. and or vaccine and so forth. Right. I think that really plays into our sweet spot, which is selling calls, collecting that extra dividend, if you will, from those call sales. Joe, I got less than a minute. And look, maybe some of the downsides protected by the Fed. I think we can all probably find a way yes. to agree um, on that. But this idea that, you know, only things cheap are the things that carry the highest risk. We've talked about energy and this almost liquidation in some of these mm -hmm. energy stocks, though, Joe. Uh, yeah. It strikes me that most recently, I think you were starting to, you know, nibble a little bit in energy, maybe thinking the worst was potentially over. Was that you? Uh, I actually got out of energy about three or four weeks ago on a failed breakout for both natural gas and crude oil. 
uh, and I communicated that I would not be making a return anytime soon, even with the temptation of natural gas rising substantially recently. I don't think the evidence is there to support it. But just real quickly, Howard is thoughtfully illuminating the challenge for the wealth and asset management community. I think there's three things you need to think about. Financial behavior, uh, spend less, save more. You're going to have to outsource to active management, and you're going to have to seek alpha generation opportunities in emerging uh, markets, both debt, equity, and look at small and mid-caps. Right. Quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about this mystery chart. It's up nearly 15% since one of our investment committee members told you about it at the beginning of the month. Now, Goldman Sachs adds it to its own conviction buy list. We'll debate that next in our call of the day. A reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We are back on the half after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back. Here's your market picture. Dow's down 170. NASDAQ down by more than 1%. We're following headlines regarding stimulus. Rahel Solomon has another headline that is moving a stock right now. Rahel? Hi, Scott. Yeah, so take a look at shares of Navistar. They're plunging more than 20%. So this is after a letter, almost 20.5%. So this is after a letter to the truckmaker's executive chairman in which Triton states it has offered what it's calling its best and final offer to acquire the outstanding shares of Navistar that it doesn't already own. So, Scott, it's the same $43 per share offer that the company first floated in September. That's well above the stock's current price and also above the original offer of $35 a share back in January. Triton says that this offer will expire on October 16th if no action is made. So watch that space, Scott, over the next few days. You can yeah. see it's down uh, almost 21%. We're, we're watching it um, because Carl Icahn has a 17% stake. Right. Um, he'd like a higher bid. Uh, beyond the 43. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But that stock is obviously reacting uh, to what, uh, you know, Rahel tells us that Trayton says that's their best and final offer at $43 a share. We'll see where it all goes and what is an uncertain environment. Um, Sue, I'll send it to you for the other headlines. Rahel, thank you. Uh, it's a tough environment, though, uh, certainly in, in that business, if not the overall economic environment, too, Sue. Absolutely. You are right on target with that, Scott. Here's the other headlines at this hour, everybody. We begin with Amy Cooper, the woman charged with making a false police report, accusing a black man of assaulting her in New York Central Park, made a second 911 call during that encounter. The new call was revealed in charges filed against her today. Also in New York, a seven-foot-tall statue of Medusa holding the head of Perseus has been installed. It is across the street from courts where a number of men were prosecuted for sexual assault during the height of the Me Too movement, including Harvey Weinstein. In Italy, more than 7,300 new coronavirus cases have been confirmed just since yesterday. That is a new record for that country and up more than 20 percent since yesterday. Britain reporting nearly 20,000 new cases, the second highest daily tally for the country. This as new restrictions go into effect in Northern England and Northern Ireland. 
You are up to date, Scott. Europe is in the heart of a second wave of this coronavirus pandemic. So we're watching it all for you. Yeah, I appreciate that, Sue. Thank you. That's Sue Herrera with the latest there. Goldman Sachs making changes today to its conviction buy list. Rahel, back with the details for us on a couple of stocks. Rahel? Hello again, Scott. So yes, two changes to the list, both in the painting and coding space. So Goldman is adding Exalta Coding Systems to their conviction buy list and removing Sherwin-Williams. So price target for Exalta jumped six bucks to $32. Now, unlike some of its peers, consensus estimates for Exalta have remained relatively consistent despite momentum for its end markets and the coatings industry. The company, Scott, is also more leveraged to the auto industry, and that outlook does appear to be improving. Scott, this is an area that you and I have talked about a bit this week on the show, as Ford also saw some significant upgrades this week as well. Uh, price target for Sherwin, that remains 750 It's reiterated a buy. So analysts think that Sherwin will continue to outperform, but that much of the positive outlook is already baked into the stock. You can see it's up about 20% year-to-date, 19%. Very different stories, very different stock performances. While Exalta is down 16% year-to-date, as I said, Sherwin is up uh, almost 20%. And Scott, it hit a new high as recently as September 15th. All right. Rahel, thank you again. Uh, Rahel Solomon joining us there. Doc, Exalta is uh, on our radar because you brought it to us at the beginning of the month on October 1st with unusual activity. Yeah, uh, and luckily, Scott, it was around $23 a share then, and uh, they were buying the 24 calls, which have now gone pretty deep in the money. Uh, so it's been a, a good trade. Um, I've taken off a little over half, Scott, and uh, given that these options expire in just two days, uh, it might not be by the end of the show that I'm taking off the rest, uh, but it, I certainly like the idea that Goldman has embraced this trade. Yeah, stock's up about 1.5%. Jim, Sherwin-Williams, you own that, right? I do own Sherwin-Williams. A little bit of a valuation differential there. So Sherwin-Williams has pulled away on the very obvious reason that they're exposed to the housing market. I mean, that's really what they sell is paint cans at Home Depot and, and uh, Lowe's. So there's a case to be made for Exalta because auto production is really picking up, Scott. First off, you know, North American sales are less than 10% below the pre-pandemic high, but then the auto manufacturers are doing a lot of production catch-up from April and May. So I like Exalta, but on Sherwin-Williams, I'm going to stick with this because I do think there's some more juice to be squeezed from this orange. Okay. Coming up, John has new traits for you <laughs> in unusual activity. That's coming up next. And as we go to break, take a look at the S&P sectors today. S&P right now is down. Uh, energy, industrials, materials leading the way. But uh, we're looking at a 24 and a half point slide for the S&P, about two-thirds of a percent. Touch more than that. We're back after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. 
Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. American Airlines share has been grounded all year. Options traders, though, jumping into that name uh, today. John DeJurian, that is on your list, and it is interesting that it is up, even as we are talking about stimulus and the prospects of even a standalone something or other for the airlines, which so far there doesn't seem to be any agreement on that. Exactly, Scott. And uh, uh, to your point with Phil LeBeau, um, the April data from TSA had us bottoming at about 90,000 passengers a day, which is, you know, we used to be around two and a quarter million per day going through TSA. We're back up to 900,000. Now, that's certainly not great, but it's obviously a big move up from when people were absolutely in a panic and wouldn't even get on a plane. So American Airlines, Scott, to your point, they are buying calls. They're buying at the 13 strike with that stock just in the $12 range. Uh, and these are options that expire next Friday, Scott. So I bought those during the uh, day today, and I'm crossing my fingers that this TSA data is a good sign that people are getting back on planes. Another quick one, Scott, Fastly, F-S-L-Y. This one we just added, top of the show, I added it. It is December 135 calls um, in F-S-L-Y. Since it's all the way out to December, Scott, I'll probably be in them about two months. And a quick update, Lee, which is an EV play, uh, and that one, L-I, we cited it when it was an $18 stock. It has burned all the way through 21 maybe $22 a share. A nice trade, just like NEO. There's a lot of focus on this space. We updated, Scott, took off a little over half. Right now, I'm holding a little more into the end of the week. Interesting, you, you mentioned Fastly, which is up 36% in the month of October and better than 530% year-to-date. The other interesting part is your airline play uh, is really short-term, obviously, and it seems to me to be more of a play on a maybe an agreement of a standalone airline deal rather than any sort of incrementally improving traffic numbers from the airlines. So I mean, they're not going to improve that fast. Right. Exactly. Uh, but uh, giving, they're giving uh, Speaker Pelosi and Mnuchin at least another week, Scott, because yeah. they're out there October 23rd expiration. <laughs> sure. No, I, I hear you on that. All right, coming up, our experts ready for Ask Halftime. Send your questions in by video, and we'll play them on the air. You can email us at askhalftime at cnbc.com. We're back right after this. All right, welcome back. We're answering your questions now. First up, a video question for Joe from Connecticut, or from Joe in Connecticut. Question for Joe Terranova. A couple weeks ago, you said buy Seattle Genetics. Bought it at 169. It's now over 200. Are you holding, or do you recommend selling right now? Joe, for Joe, from Joe. I was right the first time. Should just stay with it. Well. Joe, thank you for that question, and uh, yes, I am holding. Good job buying at 169. This is one of the leaders in biotechnology. They recently announced a collaboration with Merck. Over the last three years, they've grown revenue 
30% on November 16th. They have an R&D day. So I think this is a stock that could reach 250, and I'm holding it, and I'm hope you're there to join me. Okay. Uh, Jim, Frank at Pelham, New York, CVS, Pharma Jim, he says, I'm very disappointed with CVS. Hey. Should I hold or sell? Yeah, I'm disappointed in the share price too, Frank, but I think you're supposed to stick with it, and I am. Look, um, this, this company, I think it's been laboring under the premise that a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president will really enact regulations that eat into their uh, business model. I don't think that's the case. This is a highly profitable business, and you know they've got cash flows that continue to allow them to pay down debt. Pretty soon, they're going to start buying back shares right here at book value. they got a 3.4% dividend yield. I think you're supposed to stick with this. Okay. John, uh, I have one for you uh, from Ross in Minnesota. I want to buy Target, but hesitate pulling the trigger. Just want to be confident that momentum can continue. What are your thoughts? I don't know if this is Pete calling himself Ross, but, John, it's, <laughs> it's for you. <laughs> That's Pete's middle name, in fact, Scott. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just is. kidding. Um, he and Brian Cornell, you know, the, the, those are two peas in a pod, and they both love this company. And why not? They give 5% of uh, what they earn away to the communities in which they live. That's about $4 million a week, Scott. So they're doing a lot of the right things. And they're doing right things with Shipped and how they compete with Amazon and Walmart. Um, I think this is one you hold on to today. It was this close to hitting a new 52-week high at 166 and then pulled back from that as the market sold off. I think you buy it on the dip. This thing goes to 175 around uh, Thanksgiving, Scott. Okay. Shocking answer. Thank you for that, Doc. Uh, Tiffany, lastly to you, uh, Adam in Ontario, when's a good time to buy J&J? Uh, now, actually, uh, uh, it's at about 148 right now. The high is 157. Um, we had a little bit of, of a dip uh, with that news yesterday, but we own J&J uh, &J for its consumer products, not necessarily for the vaccine. Um, so I'd buy it now. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody. Keep your video questions coming as well. We will play them on the air. Send them to AskHalftime at CNBC.com. Coming up, natural gas prices falling. We got the energy trade coming up next in futures. We're back in just two minutes in the future. Miss the show? Don't sweat it. The Halftime Report now has a podcast. Market-moving interviews, call of the day, unusual activity, and, of course, Ask Halftime. Look for us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app and subscribe to the Halftime Pod today. Let's do the futures outlook. Natural gas getting hammered today on demand forecast. Brian Stutland of Equity Armor Investments has more for us on that move lower about 7%. Ouch. Yeah, yeah it, it hurts today, but there's reason behind that because natural gas is a really interesting story. If you look at a chart of inventory builds and draws, what we saw right now is prices of that gas are around the same levels we saw in 2019, but that was when inventory was being drawn down. Now we're seeing inventory continually build week over week. We see an increase of builds in inventory. So I think the nat gas trade has gotten a little ahead of itself to the upside. And I think traders are recognizing that with slightly warm weather here in October, I think you're seeing a sell-off start to happen. I would be a seller, Scott, here at 2 spot 6.9 on the November future, looking for that to trade down to 249. That's where I'd buy it back. I'd keep a stop up at 289 just to stop myself out of this trade in case we go back to recent highs. But 
I think the trade is lower here because we continue to see these builds here. The economy is not back to normal yet. And for that, I'm willing to bet to the downside. So I'm risking 2000 bucks um, basically to make 2000 I know it's one to one here, each tick being one tenth of a penny. That's 10 bucks. So I'm looking for the downside trade here, Scott. But I think it pays off even though the risk reward is sort of one to one on this level. All right. Interesting. Good stuff. Thanks. We'll talk to you soon. Brian Stutland, thank you for that. Final trades coming up, and as we go to break, take a look at some of the stocks hitting new highs today, including Qualcomm, Cintas, and T. Rowe Price. While thousands of airline workers have already been laid off, many more could soon be furloughed without a new round of relief money from Washington. Tonight, in a new CNBC documentary about the air travel industry's struggle with the pandemic, Shepard Smith talks to a pilot who is still waiting to hear. Here's a preview. Laura Woods is a pilot for a major carrier. She and her husband, Max, who flies for another airline, live in Denver with their daughter, Malin. They're expecting another baby in December. For Laura and Max, getting here has been a journey. Flight school typically takes a year or two. It usually takes a few years to get up to 1,500 hours, which is required to go to a regional airline. Is that expensive? Um, yes, so flight school can be very expensive. It usually runs about $80,000. Just when they should be reaping the fruits of all that work, the pandemic has thrown their industry and their lives into turmoil. Uh, you can hear more of Laura Woods' story tonight on Shepard Smith's special. Shepard Smith reports air travel in turmoil tonight, 8 Eastern on CNBC, right after the news with Shepard Smith. Our final trades are next. All right, welcome back. We'll get to final trades in just a moment. However, I wanted to go over a couple of calls in the software space today. Salesforce, assumed buy today, nice price target, $325 versus a prior one of $252. This is all coming from UBS today. ServiceNow, assumed buy, $600 is the price target there. It was $511. Workday, assumed neutral versus a prior sell, so an incremental step higher. Target, $235. Tiffany, you've been buying more Workday, so this plays right into your final trade. Absolutely. Uh, we do love Workday. This is one of those uh, other names that uh, we believe are like perfectly positioned to kind of take advantage of our new normal. Um, they provide enterprise cloud uh, for financial, um, for, for finance and for human resources across a multitude of different um, uh, industries. Um, year to date, it's up 39% uh, and uh, about 10%, almost 10% in the past three months. So we like it. We added to it. All right. Who's got Splunk? That's not a good day. I do, Scott. What's up with that, Doc? Yeah, it's not a good day. For, well, uh, it's selling off rather hard after hitting almost 220 yesterday, Scott. We saw some unusual buying at about 206 level today. I'm trying to get that. That's my final trade, Splunk. Yeah. Goldman, a bank stock that's actually up. Is that, uh, Jimmy, is that you? Yep, I've got Goldman. It's not up much, though. It should be up much more. I mean, both it and, and the city and J.P. Morgan, they just crushed the earnings, crushed yeah. them. The fact stocks aren't up more says a lot about the markets. But in Thermo Fisher for you, Joe. Appreciate it, everybody. Thank you. The exchange uh -huh. is now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. 
can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.